Church, will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, I'm just reminded this morning of the fact that I'm just so thankful that it's not me that changes lives. It's not any of us who changes lives. It's you, your Holy Spirit working in us and your word. And so, Father, today as we open up your word, my hope and my prayer is that it wouldn't just be me talking, but God, you would be working in it, that you'd be working in us, because Father, our hope and our, and our prayer for today is that we don't just step into a room and sing some songs and walk out looking the exact same, but that God, we would hear something that we need to hear today, and that we draw closer to you, and that through your spirit working, we look a little bit more like your son today as we leave this place. God, you are awesome amazing and incredible. And God, we just love getting to worship you today. We love getting to open up your word. Thank you for bringing us here today. Father, for every person that's coming today with their burdens, with things that they're carrying today, with the diagnoses, with with broken relationships, with hurts, with hangups in their life. God, thank you that you're a God who, who works in us to change us from the inside out. And so, God, I pray for the healing of hearts today. I pray you'd be working in anything that we're carrying with us. We'd be able to set aside and hear your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, church, we are in a really fun time. We're, is that exactly for me as it is for you? Oh, okay. How are you doing now? Am I on at all? No? All right. Well, it's not echoing anymore. There we go. Hey, everybody say, good job, Travis. Thank you, Travis. All right, let's start over. So, it is the almost Thanksgiving. Everybody excited about Thanksgiving? I, man, my favorite holiday of the year for so many reasons, so many reasons. But in this time uh, of November, we've been walking through a time of Thanksgiving. Asking ourselves, how can we be a people of thanksgiving? How can we be a people of worship, of praising God? And so today, I just want to continue on with that. And I just want to start off by making sure you know about one of my best blessings in my life. We've been talking about counting our blessings. So many of you reached out to me this week and told me so many of your blessings that you had counted out. And I so appreciate hearing that kind of stuff. But I just want to let you know, for those of you that, that aren't aware, my wife is amazing. Like, my wife is really, really cool. If you've not got a chance to meet here, I just want to let you know you're, you're just missing out. My wife, Bridget, is absolutely incredible. Some of you haven't had the chance to really get to know her. And I, and I just want to tell you, just thank you to all of you who love on her and encourage her. She, it's just been so great in our transition here. But this week, especially on the 22nd, it's my wife's birthday. And so I just want to uh, let you guys know that that if you have her on Facebook, if you if you have her, you know, if you have her phone number, if you want her phone number, come talk to me. It's a great time to reach out to her and tell her how thankful you are for her. She's not here right now, so I can talk about her. But I just want to let you know, my wife's absolutely incredible, and I and I'm just so incredibly thankful for her. And it's a great time to reach out. And of course, this birthday is significant because my wife will turn 33, and for two whole days, my wife will be 33, and I'll still be in my 20s. So there will be a lot of jokes made about the, the cougar, the old woman that I'm married to for two whole days, and then I turn 30 on the 24th, which is a significant day because I'm pretty sure that means I'm an adult. I'm pretty sure 30 years old is when I can say, I'm, and I can officially tell stories about when I was a young man. Because for so long I'd say, well, when I was young, dude, you're still young. Okay, fine. 
So now I think I can officially, so I, I have one of those stories today a little early, but there, there was a time in my younger years, in my early, early 20s, about 21, I was a young pastor. And there was an older pastor on our staff at the church that I was at, and he went to one of my young colleagues who was, I think, a little bit younger than me. I think he was about 19 or 20. And he said to him, hey, I have tickets to this event coming up. Would you you know, like one of these tickets. And for whatever reason, I think the young man kind of felt obligated, kind of felt like he should accept the ticket. So he said, yes. And he said, thank you. Well, a little bit later, the older pastor came back and he said, hey, I'm so sorry. I think I made a mistake. I might have given you the wrong ticket. I need to look at the ticket that I gave you and make sure it's correct. There's an awkward moment as the young man stares at him with kind of a deer in the headlights look. And finally, awkwardly, he kind of reaches over and pulls the ticket out of his trash can. And hands it back. And in that moment, this old pastor who has just had so much grace and love in him had just a great moment to kind of teach him and disciple him in some areas. And so he, he just talked to him about, man, gratefulness and thankfulness and how it was so great that he had accepted the gift. It was great that he expressed gratitude and said, thank you, but it didn't mean a lot when it was just going to go in the trash can. Like it, it, it kind of took away from, the, if he's not going to use the gift... It took away from the gift that he had given and, in fact, was kind of a negative impact. And one of the things I fear is that there's a lot of people in the church today who have accepted God's gift, who have maybe even verbally said thank you, but they've ignored the action of gratitude, which is the use of the gift. And unfortunately, I think some of the gifts that God has given us can unfortunately sit gratefully and very stoically in the trash can of our lives, unused, without any return on the investment for what God's given us. And so today, I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to go to Matthew 25. I invite us a lot to open up our Bibles, but today especially, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. And so I'd love it if you open up your Bibles or click there to Matthew chapter 25. I want to check out a parable with you. Jesus here is talking about the kingdom of heaven. We're going to explore some more of the context here in a moment. But in Matthew chapter 25, we're going to start in verse 14. It says this. Jesus says again, It will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and he said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. 
So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten. For whoever has will be given even more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even that, they will have taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a passage that I've heard read many, many times, and so often people try to apply it to our lives, and they, they often wonder, how, how exactly does this verse specifically apply? Is this a, truly about money? Is Jesus going to come back and ask to see the ROI on my Roth IRA? Like, what, what exactly is being talked about here? And to really understand it, we have to take a look at the whole context of what's going on here. See, Jesus in this passage is talking about the kingdom of heaven. And he's telling several different stories. In chapter 24, he just got done telling them that no one will know the time or the day, or even not even the sun or the angels. He says, only the Father knows when I will return, so be ready. Then in the next parable, the beginning of this chapter, chapter 25, he tells the story of ten virgins who essentially are not prepared for a moment. Five of them are, five of them aren't. Some of them are caught up in this moment where the bridegroom returns and suddenly they're caught off guard. And the, the ending of that, he tells to them, listen, be on watch, continue to watch out. Then we have directly after this, so we have, we have this story here, then the next story we have is the story of the sheep and the goats. The story where Jesus comes, still talking about the kingdom of heaven, and says this, in the end, when I come back, it'll be like this. <clears throat> There'll be some on my left and some on my right. Some I'll call the sheep, some I'll call the goats. Basically, if you know anything about sheep and goats, sheep are dumb but obedient. That's us, right? And then goats are just horrible, terrible animals who pee on you. They're just, they're awful creatures. They are. I'll argue that with anybody. But you know, they do have good milk. That is true. That is true. But you know, the thing is, he, he says to, to one group that's obedient, he says, well done. He says, because where I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, I was a stranger and you invited me in, I needed clothes and you clothed me, I was sick and you looked after me, <clears throat> I was in prison and you came to visit me. And of course, the, these folks are kind of confused. They're like, uh, <laughs> hey, Jesus, uh, when do we do that? And he says, whenever you did that for the least of these. And he says to the others, he says, you, for the same reason, you didn't do these things. And they say, when did we not do that? And he said, whenever you didn't do these things for the least of these. And so there's a couple of things I want to pull out about this as we try to apply this to our life. The first is this, that ultimately there's a couple of things we can pull from this passage. First is this, God has given us something. Clearly there's something that he's talking about that God has given to us, right? There's something that we are not the source of. Something that has been entrusted to us. The master comes and brings this money to his servants. No longer are they servants now. Now they are rulers. Now they are investors. Now they are small businessmen that God has come and given this wealth to and said, do with it as you see fit. Just give me a return. In the same way, we've been given things by God that are not ours. We're not the source of, even though sometimes I think we think we are. The second thing is that the master expects us to do something with what has been given to us. He expects a return on his investment. 
He expects that when he gives something, that something will come out of it. The question is, what is this return on investment that God is looking for? And I think there's two keys to look at. The first is this. <clears throat> Whenever God is talking about the kingdom of heaven, there also seems to be talking about people entering into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven grows by people starting a relationship with Jesus. All over, Jesus talks about the fact that I've come to seek and save the lost Tells the story of the, the, the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one. He tells the story of the prodigal son. These all encapsulate who Jesus is and how the kingdom is built is by people coming to know Jesus and accepting him as their Lord and Savior and starting a relationship with him. So the first thing I would argue is lost people. And the second thing is in this passage that Jesus immediately after this says to some, well done because you took care of the least of these. Those who were hurting, those who were broken, those who were down and out, those who needed help, those who were sick, the outcasts, people who were hungry, the people who needed water, those who were in desperate need. You took care of them, therefore you're welcome into my kingdom. And so the two things I think that are most important to God, we see all over scripture and we see in this passage, is that lost and hurting people really matter. The kingdom of God is built by lost and hurting people being welcomed in and loved and taken care of. And so today, I want to ask the question, how do we be good stewards with what God has given us? Because the fact is, God has given us each a lot of things. And there's three things specifically God has given each of us, and I, I see them in this passage as well. God has given each of us time, He's given each of us talent, and He's given each of us treasure. God has given each of us these three amazing things in our life. And I just want to look at some of these things and how they relate to our story. The first one is time. Time is a beautiful and amazing thing that so many of us take for granted. And in Matthew 25, our servants all have different levels of abilities. They all have different capacities. They all have different skills. The Bible says specifically that he came and he gave according each one to their abilities. But the fact is they each had the same amount of time. They each had the same amount of time in their day. They each had the same amount of time that the master was gone. The fact is, time is a resource that God has given us. And I've always found it interesting that in, in Matthew 25, later on, when he's speaking to the sheep and the goats, there's some things he talks about that involve resources. Like, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Right? It's hard to do that if you don't have something to give. But there's several things in here I find very interesting. He says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was sick. And you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Each None, none, none of those really have anything to do with resources. Those have to do with time. He talked, that's about people who went and used their time for God's glory. Used their time to take care of others. The fact is, we all have opportunities in our life to serve God with our time. To use the time that God has given us to bless others. To help others know Jesus. To be the hands and feet of Christ. We all have opportunities for this in our life. The question is, how do we use them? I've heard it said that the two most important things in your life to tell what is truly important in your life is your calendar and your bank statement. But ultimately, what do you spend your time on and where do you spend your money? The two most important things. But maybe put it in another way. Sometimes we think of our time, we think, well, great, if I'm really going to have an investment for God, if I'm really going to give God my time, that means, well, we'll probably need to give him at least, what, 51%, right, give him the majority? I think in another, another way to look at this is, what's non-negotiable in my life? 
What is truly the non-negotiable thing when it comes to my time? It doesn't mean, you know, reading my Bible doesn't take up 51% of my day, but it's non-negotiable. It's, it's not, I'm not going to go throughout my day without it. Loving other people, serving, serving my God, those are things that are non-negotiable in my life. So the question is, do we have time in our life? Time, first of all, to grow in God's Word. Time for His church. Time to serve. Time to love our neighbor. Time to reach out and have that conversation with someone around us who's hurting. Time to pray for someone. Time to ask our waiter or waitress, Hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? You seem like you're kind of down today. Do we have time to see people the way that Jesus sees them and be Jesus to them? The problem is it can be really, really hard. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but in our world, we're really, really busy. We have busyness all over. We have things going on all the time. And so often I hear from Christians, I'm too busy. I'm too busy, first of all, just to pray and read my Bible. I'm too busy to serve. I'm too busy to love people well. And the problem is that we make time for what's most important in our lives. And if we're not making time for that, we miss out on opportunities for God to use us. What I have found in my life is that any time that God has ever used me is when He is Lord over my time. When I've said, God, you have, you're number one in this. When it comes to my time, I, I, whatever you want. Because the problem is, when He's not number one, the problem is, when I'm so busy running, I can often run past people that God wants me to impact. You know, this past week, I had a wonderful conversation with my old youth pastor from when I was growing up. I got to talk to him a little bit. First time I talked to him on the phone in years, I've actually you know, got to message him a little bit, but I actually got to talk to him a little bit and you know, apologize for all the things I did when I was a teenager. And in that moment... We were just talking, and I was just reminded of all the time he invested in me. I don't remember a lot of what he said. I know he pointed me to Jesus. I remember him pointing me to my Bible, teaching me how to read my Bible. But I don't necessarily remember everything he said, every, every moment, every message he preached. But I do remember this. That guy had time. He had time to take my phone call at 11, 12 o'clock at night. He had time to come and pray with me when I was crying and just broken. He had time to walk with me through some of the darkest times of my life and plant seeds that he wouldn't see grow into fruit for years to come. Fact is, our time is one of our greatest resources. The question is, is it something that we're investing for God's kingdom? If we're a follower of Jesus, are we investing it for God's kingdom? Are we using it well, or are we just using it for ourselves? The second thing is this, is our talent Our talent is something that each and every one of us have. If we look back in our story, each and every servant was given according to their abilities. Each one of them had abilities that determined how much the master was going to give them. Notice there was a a five-bagger, a two-bagger, and a one-bagger servant, right? The five-bagger, man, I I guess he had five times the talent. So he was given five bags of gold. Now just remember, we can think in terms of like, oh, man, this guy had five. This guy only had one. So one of these bags of gold, the, the unit of measurement here, this was about 20 years worth of the average laborer's salary. So think about the average laborer, average, you know, average worker, may take minimum wage. Take that for a year and times it by 20. Like, this is a lot of money. So, so one of these guys is given a lot, it seems like, and one of these is given what seems like a little, but the fact is, none of it was little. See, see one of the issues, I think, one of the commentaries I was reading on this passage talks about this idea 
that maybe this servant, who went and was called the wicked and lazy servant, he went and buried these treasures in, in, in the dirt, maybe the reason he did that was because he felt like what he'd been given was insignificant. Like, like maybe he was a little bit embarrassed, like maybe that, you know, this guy got five. This guy got two and I get one. Like I'm the dunce of the group. Obviously, he doesn't think I have much ability and talent. If he's only going to give me one bag of gold, the problem is this. It wasn't about the amount. It was about who gave it to him. What made the bag of gold special, what made the treasure special, what made the abilities and gifts that God's given you special is not how big they are according to everyone else. It's about the fact that God gave it to you. It's about the fact that God gave you that gift, gave you that ability. Because the fact is this, when we're serving God in the terms of a big God, every single one of our abilities are small. Every, there's no such thing as a big ability in the kingdom of God because compared to a big God, there is only little abilities used by a big God in big ways. And the fact is, the more we submit our abilities and the gifts and the skills that God has given us to Him, we see amazing things happen. But what I often find is that so many Christians kind of look at their life and they almost feel like, man, I, I have no talent. I have no real talents and abilities. I can't sing like this person. I can't speak like that person. I can't remember Bible verses like that person. I can't talk to people like that person. And so they take their talent, their abilities, and they bury them. Don't do anything with them. But the problem is, when we understand that they were given to us by God, it changes everything. The fact is, all talent is small talent when we're serving a big God. But our big God can use any talent in amazing and incredible ways. My favorite story of this is in Mark 14. There's a story of Mary who comes before Jesus. And she anoints him with oil. Or excuse me, with perfume. With this beautiful, expensive perfume that she had. She takes it and pours it on Jesus. And his disciples in that moment, they don't quite get it. Like she comes and takes this expensive thing and dumps it on Jesus while they're trying to eat dinner. Like I, 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 they turn and they're like, what are you doing? Like that's worth a lot of money. We could have used that. We could have done all these things with that. What are you doing? And Jesus turns to him, rebukes him and says, no, 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 back off. You don't understand what she just did. He says, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my, on my body beforehand to prepare me for burial. See, Jesus was about to go to the cross. He wouldn't have time to be anointed or given any spices or embalming. But in this moment, Mary is able to prepare him for the burial that he's about to have and the resurrection he's about to have. It's a very significant moment. And Mary had no idea. And in the same way, so often we do things and we have no idea how God's using them. I think about the story of D.L. Moody, very famous evangelist and pastor, who came to Christ... Because someone who kind of knew him saw he was working in a shoe store, went in, walked back into the stockroom where he was at, and started talking to him about Jesus. And in that moment, D.L. Moody started a relationship with Christ that would mean thousands of other people would start a relationship with Christ. Because one person was like, hey, I'm going to go walk into the back room of a shoe store. 
there is nothing insignificant about our abilities when we allow God to use them. And in Colossians 3, it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. fact is that, unfortunately, a lot of us don't understand the gifts and the abilities that God's given us. We, we don't see that God can use them when we don't do our things that God has done for us unto Him. You know, I... Whether it's making a kid laugh, making a card, making a meal for a neighbor. We all have skills and abilities that God's given us. The problem is I think if we take some time to say, God, what are my skills? What, what, what things do you want to use in my life? Because I've seen so many people that when they come before God and they say, God, I don't know what skill, my skills are, but can you show me how you want to use me? God does some really, really cool things. Because the fact is, no matter what your ability is, no matter what things you're able to do, whether it's just giving someone a hug or a smile or a kind word, if you do it unto the Lord, God can take it and do something incredible with it. It's absolutely amazing. And some people think, man, well, can, can God use me no matter what? And there's always those, those sarcastic people. They're like, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I can, I can burp the alphabet. Is that a skill? You know? And it's like, great. Yeah, go serve in our kids' environments. And go burp a scripture verse to him. The fact is, God can use anything in your life. He can use every one of your skills. We all have talents and abilities. The question is, are we using them to take care of the least of these? Are we using those talents to love people well and help them know who Jesus is? The third thing is this. The third thing that all of us have is treasure. The fact is, every time that Jesus talks about rich people in the Bible... We often think of that and we're like, okay, I'm not Jeff Bezos, all right, let's move on. The fact is that every single one of us, in connection to what he was talking about, people who were free, who had their own land, that's a good majority of us. And so many of us are a lot richer than we really think we are. And Jesus, in his time on earth, spoke about money almost more than any other topic. Of his parables that he spoke... Somewhere around 30% were all about money. And I think there's a reason why for that, because in Matthew 6, 24, he says this. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, the question in our life is this. When it comes to our treasure in life, do we serve God with our treasure or do we serve our treasure and invite God along? Do we say to God, listen, this is my thing that I'm going to hold on to. Is this my, this is my thing that you're not going to be able to touch in my life. Because so often when we look at treasure, I think the problem is this, we misunderstand the source of the treasure. Like our money, our time, our abilities. We somehow think that it's like ours, like we did it all ourselves. But yet the fact that I woke up this morning had breath in my lungs, the fact that I have any skills or gifts or abilities to do anything, I consider that a gift from God. And that's something that I'm called to use to glorify Him. The Bible says in Romans 11.36 that everything comes from God, everything exists by His power, and everything is intended for His glory. See, I think an issue is, so often we look at our money and we think, man, that's, I'm the source of that. I'm the one who did that. But in my life, 
It's a little bit more like this. What I have found in my life is that when it comes to my finances, my time, my talent, so often people can, can kind of look at their money and their time and their talent like almost, almost like that, that, that cup of dark liquid that a lot of us have every morning. You know that coffee? A little bit of caffeine in our life. Like, like, it's that little, like God is that extra jolt to us. Like we already have everything going on, but we're just going to have a little bit of caffeine that wakes us up. And in the same way, we see God as this little thing to give us a little extra blessing, a little extra something, when in reality, God is my source. God's a lot more like that clear liquid that I don't want to drink as much, called water. That stuff that gives me my life, that stuff that if I don't have it, I will die. And in the same way I found in my life, that in every area of my life, God is my source. And I will die without Him. And that's the same in my talent, my time, my treasure, my finances, in every single area. I understand what Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. But see, so often I see people that they don't see it that way. They see it as their money. They see it as their time. They see it as their treasure. God, no, it's, it's mine. So they got this thing that they just kind of hold on to like this. The problem with a closed fist like this, anytime that I have something that my hand is wrapped tightly around, that's a thing that God can't use. He can't bless. Anything that I'm holding on to like this, God can't touch. Anything I say to God, listen, this is mine. That's an area of my life that I'm not going to see God's blessing. In fact, in Luke 6.38, Jesus says this. He says, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, there's a, an old legend about the Knights Templar. The old knights that <clears throat> would go into battle in, in the Crusades, and that before, there's an old legend that before they went on the Crusades, they'd go and get baptized, but they'd get baptized in kind of a different way. They would take their sword, and they would hold it up above themselves out of the water, so that the rest of them would be baptized, but their sword. And it was supposed to kind of symbolize this fact that, God, I, I, I'm coming to be baptized, to be forgiven, to give you everything, but there's some things I might have to do on the battlefield that might not be pleasing to you. There's some, some moments in this crusade that might not be pleasing to you. So God, I'm giving you everything but my sword. I'm going to give you everything in my life but this one thing because I can't let go of it because I might need to use it. And in the same way in our life, I think there's a lot of Christians who go and they get baptized but they got that one thing they're kind of holding out of the water. God, I give you everything but my relationships. God, don't tell me about my relationships. Don't tell me about who I should marry or what things I should do. God, I give you everything but how, how I speak to people. God, I'll give you everything in my life but my time. God, I'm so busy. I don't have time to serve you or do these things. God, I'll give you everything but my money. Don't, don't touch my money. Don't, don't touch this. I think that's why there's a concept in the Bible called the giving of first fruits or tithing that's just all over Scripture. We see it from Genesis when 
Cain and Abel come before God, and God is pleased with Abel's offering because it's his first fruits that he gives to him, and Cain brings his second fruits as his kind of not choice things, and God doesn't accept that offering. Because there, there's a concept all over Scripture of giving God our first. In Proverbs 3 it says, Honor the Lord by giving Him the first part of all your income, and He will fill your barns to overflow. In Deuteronomy 14 it talks about the fact that the purpose of tithing is to teach us to always put God first in our lives. In Leviticus 27, in, in, the, in the Levitical law, it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belong to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And Malachi 3.10 says, Bring to my storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord, and I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. I love that scripture. Because it's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. In fact, the rest of the Bible is pretty clear. He says, don't test me. Don't mess with me. It's the one area he's like, yeah, see, see what happens. Yeah, test me. It's a great, it's a great thing to test God in. But I, I love that all over Scripture we see this concept of coming to God and bringing Him a tenth, bringing Him the first fruits of our income. Today we we don't have as much of an agrarian society, so generally we think of that in terms of money. But we see this all throughout, and then Jesus talks about it as well in Matthew twenty three. He says, "Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites!" He says, you give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin. They're treasures. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. I I, I love this, this verse because in this moment Jesus is saying, listen, that's important. But something I think that, that can often be lost in the church is the idea that tithing is important, but there's more important things like actually following God, having justice and mercy and faithfulness, being faithful to Him, living out a relationship with Him. And sometimes I've been in churches where when they talk about money, it's this thing of like, it's almost like a get-rich-quick scheme. Read that verse in Malachi and we go, all right, you give to God, and then boom, you're going to get blessings. Like it's the best, it's best ROI you'll ever see. Fact is, the most important thing is I give everything to God, And out of that, I give out of my time. I give out of my treasure and my money. My wife and I are very big on tithing because we believe everything that God has given us is His. And so we say to Him, listen, God, this is yours. Thank you for it. And what I find in my life is I I see so many blessings. So many people I see who tithe, I just hear the stories over and over of just, man, it's crazy what God will do. It's crazy what God does when we put Him first in any area of our life, but especially in our money, because money is such a big deal in our world today. In fact, I think I found that tithing has kind of become a bit of a touchy subject in the church. Tithing is something that some people don't really want to talk about in the church, and I can understand that because there's been some people who have abused it. There's been some people that, that in the church that either they over-talk about it, it's like all they talk about every single week, more money, more money, more money. Or, or they, it's something that it seems like, you know, they go and then they, they're like, listen, we need some more money. Why? Why well, need a new private jet? Like, I get it. I get why some people are apprehensive, but also at the same time, I think it can be a touchy subject. Because frankly, it's just an area where we say to God, listen, no touchy. 
Like it can be a bit touchy because it's an area where we've said, listen, God, I, I, I don't, you can touch every other area of my life, but don't touch this one. In fact, whenever I think of tithing, one of my favorite explanations of tithing was like this. If you imagine for a moment, I got some cookies here. If you imagine here that I'm kind of dividing these cookies out, right? Kind of giving you some, and I say to you, listen, how about this? Uh, we're going to divide these up, okay? Okay, so these are my cookies, right? Um, so I'm going to give you one, right? And then I'm going to take, uh, take two. Right, and then I'm gonna give you, you know, give you one, and I'm gonna take two. We're dividing them out, right? That's kind of fair. They're my cookies, right? But at the same time, when it comes to God, what I love is that God has come. He's given us so many blessings in life, and He comes and goes. Here, listen. Here's ten cookies. You keep nine. Give me one. And so often in my life, what ends up happening is even for me, there's moments where I've had times where I'm like, oh, but no, I want that one. Instead of going back to counting our blessings, what has God actually given me? Like, God has given me so much that I can't even fathom or imagine. And if I'm really walking that, I understand, what's one? Because the fact is, when I give God that one, that tenth, I, I see God bless me in so many ways. It's crazy the things that God does. It's crazy the moments where all of a sudden you're like, what, somebody just giving me this? Like, it's just crazy. Because Jesus said, give and will be given unto you. The question is, how are we looking at our finances? How are we looking at any area of our life? Are our hands open to say, God, whatever you want to flow through me? Because the fact is, if my hand's not open, I can't receive either. So if I'm not open to give, I'm not open to receive. The fact is, we, we are blessed to be a church that doesn't talk about this subject a lot. I think it's the first time I've ever talked about it, to be honest. And if you've been here for a little while, you may have noticed that you know, we don't pass the plates of this church because we have an amazing church. Full of awesome people who love Jesus and give in so many different ways. And I, I just love that it's not something we need to get up and, you know, pound on anything and pass the plates or anything like that. We have boxes in the back that people give in. We have some online options as well. Because I just love that we have a church that does that. But at the same time, sometimes I think we, we miss out a little bit on, on the aspect of worship that is tithing. Even for me, there's moments where, you know, I set up my auto pay and it, okay, it comes out at this time and, I forget what tithing actually is. Tithing is a moment of worship. It's a moment to say, God, you are first in this area of my life. But it's also an investment in the kingdom of God. fact is, for those of you who give in this church, man, I just want to say thank you to you. You're a part of so many things, whether it's missionaries overseas, people meeting Jesus right here. We've had three people meet Christ and start a relationship with him this year. I'm hoping for so many more. Man, we, we've had so many baptized this year. I think around 10 right now. We have more coming down the pipe we're so excited about. We're so excited about everything that God is doing. And I, I hope that even, even that is, is such a great beginning of an investment. When God comes and says, what did you do? Well, here, here's what I did. It's an amazing investment into God's kingdom. But ultimately, it all comes down to this. Matthew six thirty three. Jesus says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. At the end of the day, as we head into our time of thanksgiving, in every area of our life, I think the most important question we can ask is, is this something that God can use? Is this an area of my life that I'm holding on to tightly? Or is it an area where I say, God, you can use it? Whether it's the abilities that I have, my home, 
Am I willing to invite people in and love them? If my family, am I willing to, to give them for Christ? What, whatever it is, is there any area of my life where I say to God, God, this is mine, you can't have this. Is there any area that I'm holding on to? Because the fact is, that's an area that, that God can't use in an area that I won't have His blessings. Am I seeking first the kingdom of God in every area of my life? And maybe if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, maybe this is something that's foreign to you. I just want to encourage you today that this message is a lot about those who are following Jesus, but if you've never started to follow Him, what I love is that Christianity isn't a relationship of, okay, here's all the rules you've got to follow. It's a relationship where God gives you His Holy Spirit, and the Bible says that it's Him who helps us to will and act according to what He has called us to. It's Him who changes us. It's Him who changes our hearts. It's Him who works in us. It's Him who makes us go, oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do more of this. Maybe I should serve in this area. And so I want to invite you today to start that relationship if you never had. And for each of us today, my hope is that each of us will walk out of here today just going, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're convicting me on? What area? Is there any area where you're not number one? Would you show that to me and give me the power to change it? Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we are so grateful for who you are. And we just believe that you're working today. And God, pray this is a message that isn't just about money or, or serving more or anything like that. But God, it is truly just about how can we have your kingdom first in our lives? And so God, for each of us, would you just shape us and mold us? Would you convict us in areas where maybe you're not number one? And God, uh, help us to give you everything today. And God, if there's anyone in this place today that's never started that relationship with you, God, I pray that today is the day that they accept you as their Lord, they repent of their sins and accept the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that you gave by your Son coming down and dying on the cross and rising. God, thank you for who you are and how you're working in this place today. We just continue to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.